0: Okay. All right, we are live. Hi, Dula Bona. how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing good, I'm doing good, how are you? I'm
0: good, thank you. African Female Voices is so excited to have you. Thank you so much for giving us this opportunity to get to know you better and to find out about your book as well. We're so excited for this, thank you for coming
1: it's my pleasure this
0: is exciting yes so we're just going to have an open conversation um share your hearts with everyone listening we've got a young audience and i know they're really going to appreciate this conversation so just speak as if you're speaking to a sister to your friends um it's going to be very valuable for them and especially the topic that we have of mental health um it's something that's that we need to speak about more especially with black women so please just feel comfortable and enjoy the conversation with me I will thank you <laughs> so you've got an amazing bio I just want to read it quickly for everyone and I hope I said that right
1: Sometimes very dramatic you have to like kind of drop the syllables in the vowels it's
0: okay <clears throat> all right so you're from a small town but you're living the life in the big city how is that going so far
1: very interesting I have a love-hate relationship with uh, Johannesburg because I'm in Johannesburg mm-hmm. um, but there's so much that has given me in the way opportunities and just growth so mm-hmm. I'm still a small town girl at heart but now yeah. I find myself like Oh, I kind of like both. I wish I could mix the the things I love about small towns with the things that I love about, you know, the big city and make like one special place. Yes. And I
0: hear you're a Rhodes alumni. I am too, by the way. Really? You're a G what?
1: I'm a G10. Yes. I'm a G15. Oh my goodness.
0: I'm a G15, so we missed each other, but it's great to know that we both share some purple blood. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Okay. Um, So you're an essayist, you're a writer, you're a literacy advocate, you're a life coach, and you're a mental health advocate as well. You've been writing for years, and I'm sure if we had to go back 10 years, the stories you wrote were pretty interesting compared to how you write now
1: (laughs) I'm glad I'm glad there was growth thank god for growth because wow
0: (laughs) but you still consider yourself a baby writer can you explain
1: that to us I do I feel like I'm starting out even though I'm not I have been published before in other anthologies and online and in you know different places um Mm -hmm. But I guess because this is my first full body of work mm-hmm. as an individual, it feels like, it really does feel like a debut. So it feels like if I were to compare it to music, it feels like I've been releasing singles and now I've finally got an album. Okay. So yeah, that's why I feel like a baby writer.
0: <laughs> so at what point do you think you'd feel like a a medium, an intermediary? <laughs>
1: um maybe half of this year <laughs> because right now it, it it it's it's still very new mm-hmm. um the book itself is still very new because it was only actually formally released in March mm-hmm. um but because it's been in the back of my head for years I've been working on it for years it feels like a long time but actually speaking about the book and letting other people read what's in my head and also hear what their thoughts are. That's pretty new to me with regards to the book. So it still feels like it will take some time for me to feel like, okay, you Mm -hmm. are a writer. You wrote this book. You did it. And you're
0: doing an amazing job so far. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, So I would like to know, what are your writing goals in the next... 10 years, what type of a writer do you see yourself being?
1: Mm. I think I would really like to expand and stretch myself with the type, type of writing that I do. But mm-hmm. I would also like for my writing to be adapted into other forms of media. So documentary, um, specials, just anything. I mean, the opportunities are endless. Because we know every medium has its limitations, right? Books are great, but it would be great to be able to even reach people who can't see, who can't read, or mm-hmm. people who don't have access to bookstores wherever they are, but they have the internet, you know, so they might be able to watch my documentary or listen to um, a podcast or a long form kind of video essay, whatever it is. So um, definitely find, I, I see myself. Being the kind of writer who stretches herself um, with her work in terms of like playing around with format but also who is able to write more than nonfiction who's able to write fiction poetry short stories mm-hmm. so we'll, we'll see it takes it takes practice but mm-hmm. yeah
0: what is that um... 10,000 hours to perfect your skill or perfect your craft in something. So how many hours would you say
1: you're at right now? Wow, many (laughs) years of hours. (laughs) But the thing about writing is that every time you approach a different piece of writing, it feels like the first time because it really is the first time that you're Mm -hmm. meeting, if you're writing fiction, those characters, that story. And so you don't know yet, even though you might have a plan, where the story could lead you because you might find yourself wanting to take it in a different direction or it makes sense to take it in a different direction. So each time it feels like it's something new. Um, The years of practice does help though, because you don't, you're not stumbling over yourself because you're trying to find your voice. So I I know my writing voice um, and all I need is now to be able to actually put down the words and make them into something that's beautiful, coherent, that makes me happy and that other people can relate to. That's very true.
0: Okay, so your book touches on quite some heavy topics and your bright, vibrant personality makes it easy to read. Um, But I'm pretty sure that writing it was quite difficult, reliving those memories, reliving those experiences, also having to relive it through an objective point of view as well. Um, subjective for your own experiences, but also objectively, because the third person will be reading your book and you need to be able to relate to them as well. So how was that for you? Oh, it
1: was difficult. <laughs> it was very difficult. A lot of people have been saying to me, I cried after every chapter. Oh. I was like, yeah.
0: If it did that
1: to you, imagine what it did to me. (laughs) Because there were a lot of things that I had to like extract from my memory um, that I did not know were buried that just kind of came up as I was writing. So in that way, it was self-triggering. It was Mm -hmm. difficult to to then deal with those emotions, deal with those memories, deal with those realizations. Um, But writing it helped me to m- like have a clear narrative or a coherent narrative about mm-hmm. what is happening inside of my head in the best way that I possibly could to say this is what it looks like to live inside of my head or to be someone who is living with a head that's got all of this stuff happening inside of it. So it was it was a tough 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 process and people ask me was it cathartic and I say it was not (laughs) what was cathartic was after when I'd done the book and I was now dealing with the things that I'd remembered or had was now re-experiencing for instance uh, in therapy because that was the place where I could at least debrief and say You know, I'm angry all over again, for instance, about something X, Y, Z or I'm conflicted about this or that and that. So it was only after having written it that I was able to really process what Mm -hmm. I had written down. But the process of actually writing it was was quite interesting and quite taxing.
0: Okay, so then. When you're going through those moments of reliving these experiences, how did you make yourself feel better after that? How did you lift your spirits up after that? Because I'm sure there's a lot of girls out there who are reading your book and they just, they need to find something that's gonna bring a smile to their face at the end of the day. Um, so how, what did you do for yourself?
1: I let myself feel what I needed to feel. There were days when, after writing it, my body would physically feel like I had run a marathon. And that's when I realized that, oh, this is not just an intellectual exercise. It's also emotional. It's also physical. So there's actual chemistry that's involved in making this work happen. And all of that chemistry is saying, our body is tired of producing and feeling and, and. So the thing that I would do first... First of all is to listen to my body. What what do I need um, today to feel better about myself? Or what do I need today to survive? And I think that's what true self-care is, is to ask yourself, what do I need today to survive? Do I need to take a day off and be in bed and watch series? Or do I need to speak to my therapist? Do I need to take a walk? Do I need to speak to a friend? Do I need to journal? Do I need to take a jog? You know, it could be anything. Do I need to have a solo date? You know, go to the park or something. Um, so it I feel, I feel that your body is always communicating to you what it wants. And so is your mind. And so are your emotions. And we have to be still and really pay attention to ourselves. If you don't give it, it ourselves enough time to do, because we're just so ready to get to the next thing but we can't feel the joy without feeling you know or or letting the 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 negative emotion pass through you so i say let the negative emotions pass through you and hold on and relish the good ones but you have to actually let the negative emotions pass through you. So if, if we were to, I was to give an analogy and say, my negative emotions are starting here, let's say on my body, and they're coming down and they're coming down and they get here and I get very conflicted about everything that's happening, then they're going to stay here. And you know that's when we start to feel burdened and heavy and just kind of ill. But if I let it go right through me till the end of my tippy toes, It's flowed out of me and there's space now for the good. And the thing about the good emotions is that when they come, they bring good things with them. So you're able to carry that and not fall apart. So to bring a smile on your face, I would say self-care. And self-care in the true sense of the word, which is to ask yourself, what do I need today Mm -hmm. to survive? Or what do I need today? Period. Yeah.
0: like that. I think... Um, you think, what do you mean I'm supposed to feel bad in order to feel good? But I love the whole example you gave of it needs to flow through your entire body. Because if you're bottled up with all of those negative emotions, and not that they're negative, but um, if you're bottled up with all of those hurts, how do you expect to fill yourself up with happiness and love and joy if you're filled up with hurt so you need to let the hurt come out first and I really love that example that you gave thank you so much and self-care like you said is not just an external thing um and I think that's why social media is so toxic these days is because they show oh you need to wake up at 6 a.m then go to the gym and then make this (laughs) breakfast with the avocado and the boiled eggs and then I think who has time for it um, you face masks and do everything externally to make yourself feel good, but no one actually talks about internal self care. Um, so I'm really glad that you highlighted that. Thank you.
1: Okay, I think so, it'll be easier for people. Sorry, sorry to um, <laughs> to bite in, but I was I wanted to say that I think it'll be easier for people to truly understand what self care is if they take away the capitalist. capitalism Mm -hmm. aspect of it. So, if you had absolutely no money, Mm -hmm. what would you do to take Mm -hmm. care of yourself? Because then you start to chip away at the, you know, buying masks, having bubble baths, getting a massage, which are all great things, and we love them. You know, do them if you can. But then you really start to ask yourself, well, then I would speak to someone about what I'm feeling. Or then I would do this and that and that. And that's what true self-care is. If I were to strip away every single resource that I have in the way of money, how would I take care of myself? And then you will be able to find the answers.
0: Okay. I think I would sleep. I don't know if that's healthy. I don't know. You can tell me.
1: (laughs) You know, sometimes it's okay to sleep if you can't deal with the emotion because it can get actually exhausting to constantly be dealing with stuff because sometimes we just have so much hurt like you were saying and sometimes you just need a nap and you're like okay tomorrow mm-hmm. you know <laughs> you know how, tomorrow. how, how tomorrow. it'll it'll be better in the morning joy comes in the morning so if you need a nap napsis and tomorrow <laughs> you can deal with it when you have regained your strength.
0: uh it's, it's a working process. There's no solution that fixes everything. It's always a working process, but you have to wake up knowing that today I'm working a little bit more on myself. Okay. All right. So I'm interested to know about the book publishing process. Um, so you were able to write your book. You went through everything you went through writing your book. Um, now you publish with Blackbird Books Did they help you in any way when you were writing? Um, Did they give you suggestions on how to write? Did they help you when you were feeling down? Did they help with therapy or consultations? Um, What was that experience like working with them?
1: So I was fortunate enough that this was this book was able to come about or I was able to start writing the book because I was awarded one of two residencies for a month to start on a, a, a body of work that you have been thinking about but just haven't had the time and resources to do it. So in that, uh, it was a collaboration between author Bianca Marais, um, mm-hmm. academic Natalia Flores, uh, ooh, I'm forgetting her surname, it's Spanish. So, you know, it's kind of like mm-hmm. Natalia and Blackbird books. And so we were actually staying in Natalia's house and she was absolutely amazing in terms of helping us with food sometimes, you know, because we would feel like I uh, don't feel like cooking today. So they did give us a, an amount of money that we could spend and you know, use for our own things. And we were free to use her kitchen, free to use her. We were basically at home. So it was a home away from home. Uh, but because she's such a caring and understanding person, her and her husband would you know check in on us. They'd take us out for dinner. Uh, it was me and my lady who, who wrote Invisible Strings, which is also a Blackbird Books book. <laughs> And she was also just very sensitive to the space that I was in. So if she saw that I would not come out of my room for a whole day, she'd knock and she'd be like, hello, Bonnie, are you okay? And I'd be like, yes, I just need to sleep the whole day today. (laughs) Or, you know, whatever it was. Um, And one of the things that she did, because she is a writing academic, is that she would bring other academics that she was um, in a group with, in a type of academic sisterhood. And each month what they would do is they would meet and they would critique one another's papers in progress. So one person would have a chance each month to have their paper in progress critiqued. And so when it was her turn, she said, can you please rather critique, um, give some advice and direction to these two young women who've come here for this writer's residency. And that was so, so, so good because it helped frame me from a research perspective that yes, you are writing from your point of view, but are are the things that you are thinking about truly Mm -hmm. correct? Or Mm -hmm. do you need some research to to, to do some research to actually find out what was happening in that moment that you didn't understand or could frame at that point? So we had that and Blackbird Books also offered an author For uh, mentorship for me and Naledi. So I have a mentor, and she had a mentor. And my mentor is still my mentor today. She's amazing. She's like a big sister. So that was great. You know, I would email or call her sometimes with questions about the work. um, And she came and she would also, she went through and would suggest texts that I could look into or, you know, whatever it is. And sometimes I would just email her to say, Is this even worth it? You know, and then (laughs) she would answer even questions like that. So in terms of giving support and direction in the initial stages, it was so very invaluable that I had the opportunity for the residency. But Mm -hmm. even if I had not had that and I had come to them and given them a manuscript and said, we please publish it and they had chosen it, what they would do is, So what they usually do is they would do a reader's report. And that reader's report is basically somebody who is not part of the company, who reads your work and gives in-depth notes about your chapters, about the language, your voice. And so that was also very valuable. So I was lucky in that I got the residency and the reader's report, which helped me to frame my writing um, pretty well and to shape it into something that was much better than what it was when it first began so it was a lot of work uh, and sometimes you know as a writer or any kind of artist you kind of feel like (gasps) my work you know your first your first uh, reaction is to kind of just be like oh my gosh but I had to say they don't hate your work they're saying it's great this is how it can be greater so I had to learn to take advice well and take criticism well I'm still actually learning because you know when you when you work on something for a long time and you're very engrossed in it it's hard to separate yourself from it and say they're not saying you're terrible they're just saying that we see so much potential yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah
0: I think that's um a good learning point for young writers, um, taking critique from people and it's healthy critique. It's not like you said, it's not saying that you're bad. It's just, how can you be even better? Um, and do research, academic research, especially on matters of mental health. You don't want to say that, oh, I've got, um, certain issues and it's caused by this. And then maybe you're going in a completely different direction that is not scientifically true. So, um, It's good to do your research and consulting with other people. I'm so glad that you had the support that you needed. So that's one learning um, point. But then what other tips would you give young writers who are trying to get to where you are right now?
1: I would say write, 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 write as much as you can. Those 10,000 hours that you're talking about are absolutely Mm -hmm. needed but also mm-hmm. read and read widely. So read mm-hmm. even genres that you're not used to or you don't even like, because that stretches your mind in the way that you're able to think. And just be, have a hunger for information, but also be critical. So develop your critical skills so that you're able to have a mind that can process information and decide that okay this is fake news or this is valuable from a research standpoint this is good or uh, there are a few holes here and just train the muscle of asking questions to the text to see okay does it stand up if I hold it up to the light you know Mm -hmm. Does does it still look good or are there you know flaws within the writing and that will help you to be a better writer it will help you actually to be a better thinker and I say all good writers are good thinkers so train your mind to take in information but to be critical of it to be open to also receiving different points of view and just read widely and write a lot and Mm -hmm. surround yourself with people who have knowledge about what you want to do, whether it's a Mm -hmm. specific genre or a specific style of writing, whatever it is, look to the people who can help you and say, you know, this is how I did it. And it doesn't necessarily mean that their process will be yours. You could come up with a completely different process, but just being able to see that it's possible and it can be done, that's everything. Was there a specific challenge that you
0: faced as a black woman in this
1: industry? oh yes, (laughs) getting published period. Um, Mm -hmm. But, which is why I was so very grateful for the residency. Um, But post the publishing process, the challenges that you face as a Black woman woman writer is that bookstores, for instance, will order like maybe two copies of your book or Mm -hmm. one copy of your book. And then they'll put it in between you know, all the other books, and nobody can even see that you've released a book, mm-hmm. but they will give so much attention to writers who've already made it. You know, the Zegs and das will have all of this advertising budget, even from the bookstores themselves, never mind the publishers. And you'll think, but they don't even need. That much advertising because their fans are already following them whereas you don't have supporters yet you might have some supporters but you have to work extra hard to reach and reach your audience or um, reach people who you know could be your audience if they just had the opportunity to handle and deal with your text and so the, the challenges are that bookstores don't really pay attention to debut writers as much as they should So they won't even put up a little poster and say, new, broken porcelain out now, you know, even if it's mental health month. And you think, but don't they want to sell books? Isn't that what we all want? But they're not even thinking there. They're just thinking about the things that people are used to reading. The Marion Keys, the Zexam Dias, the whoever is famous because they just are lazy, to be honest. (laughs) and that's tea. (laughs) They are lazy. They just want the books to fly off the shelves, but they don't want to do the extra work to actually um, help debut writers out. And so it's harder for people who are still on the come up to get their voices heard because people don't want to buy a book unless you've got 25 thousand followers on twitter a hundred thousand on instagram you're a tiktok star then they're like oh yes of course you know but that also doesn't always translate to to sales because just because you're a tiktok star or a tv star doesn't mean that people will Automatically buy a book. It does mean that they will be aware of it because of your visibility, but it doesn't always mean that they will buy it. And so, because readers can be very discerning, if you give them the chance, they can be able to pick and say "Mm," or not. And so, the biggest challenge I would say is visibility and getting people to actually buy into your vision. Mm.
0: Okay,
1: it's a lot of work, but it's work that you have to commit to,
0: Um, and. Social media is, if you can use it in the right way, it can really be used to your advantage because everyone's on their phone. So like you said, it's a great platform to get people to become aware of your book. Now the challenge is, will they actually buy your book? Um, How? What tips can you give people for
1: that? I think you should trust your voice and Mm -hmm. trust yourself. So you have written a book, which means you are an an expert on this text so like you're saying you can use social media in the ways that you can but if you have friends get them to post about your book as well I have a lot of people who've learned about my book through my friends posting even on their whatsapps on their whatsapp statuses or people sharing about my faith on their facebook or twitter you know every retweet counts every whatsapp story shared counts because you never know who might see this book and say oh that's interesting i would actually read this because i was thinking about this which is what i actually have heard before and so trust that you are an expert on this thing and show people that so be as authentic as you can with your work and post mini videos post teasers post you know whatever it is that you feel is in your heart to share share that with the world and if you don't want so much of your face in it you can get clever with it you know you don't have to put your face in there you can use all kinds of things but you do need to understand that you will have to be uncomfortable at some point because it's not easy putting yourself out there but you've done the most difficult thing which is actually writing the work because you can't promote something that doesn't exist right so you've done the most difficult thing now just believe that I am an expert on this text because it is mine and Mm -hmm. I have a vision for it have a vision for it so I definitely have a vision for Broken Porcelain and it influenced the marketing the people I'm trying to reach the places I go you know the conversations that I have and so it's very good to have a vision or an idea of where you want to go with your book what's important to you for me I'd always uh, said that message all the money money great royalties are great but for me the message of the book was so important that I was like people need to read this people need to find out about this so because I mean in this day and age I don't have Jeff Bezos money, I don't have Elon Musk money. You know, If I had his $44 billion that he used to buy Twitter, I would actually take it and print books for the entire country. That's how passionate that I am. And so for me, it's not about money. And so when you have that kind of clarity, then you're able to say, okay, so now how do I communicate the central message? What is the central message of my work? And um, don't think of the money, don't think of fame. <laughs> think of what is it that you truly want from this book okay
0: oh I love that so I love your social media you've got such a bright vibrant personality I love your rants as well so (laughs) if no one has ever watched your rants I recommend that they go (laughs) watch them right now um but I just want to ask this brand that you've created for yourself does that help you with marketing and selling your book Um, do you think that it's important that your social and public online presence reflects the work that you do, or are they two
1: separate things? I think because the work you do comes from you, if you're Mm -hmm. authentic and real to yourself, it will come out naturally. So there are some things that I make videos or reels, whatever it is that reflect my work. And... I would say don't even think of yourself as a brand because it might even confuse you into thinking my Instagram or my Twitter or my Facebook or my TikTok needs to be picture perfect. Um, I have a couple of accounts, you know. My bookstagram is curated. It's got a color theme. My podcast page is curated. It's got a color theme. My fan account for Toni Morrison is a little more relaxed but for me my personal account is really just it reflects my life if I'm thinking of something off the cuff then I record it you know if I don't have time to edit it you know and the thing with the rants is that I don't want I don't want to wait (laughs) I just want to rant if I want to rant you just rant and you go for it and then you're like the world will receive it or not you know but I've had my rant and it's actually been very cathartic and very funny and people will come into my dm sometimes and they'll be like oh this is relatable content or you know what it whatever so I think if you adjust yourself and don't put pressure on yourself to be something that you're not or to do stuff that you know will not come natural to you then don't do it so ask yourself what can I do that I will be able to sustain because I will always enjoy it so if you can't have the color palette that's got the pastels on your Instagram because you know that you don't even like pastel colors then don't do that you know just Post what you want, post what you're thinking of, post what interests you, because if it interests you and you tell us why it interests you, there's a very good chance that somebody out there will be like, oh, my gosh, I never thought of it that way. Or this is so true. So I really just post whatever I'm thinking, whatever I'm feeling. I do try as much as I can to process first, especially with my kind of work, because it has to do with mental health, to process first in my mind and heart what I'm feeling about it before I post. because you also have to protect yourself in your heart. You are laying yourself bare out to the world. And some people are great and some people are horrible. But fortunately, if you are yourself, you can be able to curate the kind of space where people who are positive will be attracted to, to you. So I've never really gotten bad comments on my Instagram with my rant or anything like that because a lot of the people who are attracted to me are just like this girl is so crazy and goofy and I'm like I actually am so I can't not be because this is professional this is me professional (laughs) you know even if I'm in a boardroom I will speak my mind so it's very true to who I am
0: okay oh no I think authenticity is the best way to go because if you try to be like other people like you said if you try have the aesthetic the color palettes and that's not really how you are then it feels like work at the end of the day instead of you just being yourself you feel like oh now i need to wake up and make this twitter post or this instagram post um and then it doesn't you don't feel the joy and the excitement from it anymore yeah. um so i I want to know, and we're almost wrapping this up. So (laughs) I'd like to know why did you choose to become a mental health advocate? Why did you choose to tell your story? It's one thing to journal everything that is in your mind and in your heart, but it's another thing to make the decision that let me go out into the world and share the story and help other young women who are going through the same experience. So what made you get to that point? Mm. Mm.
1: When I was first diagnosed, I was obviously telling my friends that, hey, this is what's going on with me. I was telling my family, hey, this is what's going on with me. And what surprised me the most about the conversations that I was having with people when they would ask me, so what does this mean? Do you take pills? Like what, you know, what's, the, what's the plan? What's the next step? What surprised me the most about the interactions I was having with family and friends is that there were a lot of people who are my age and younger so the millennials and gen z's who did not know much about mental illness and that shocked me because i thought i understand that my mom doesn't understand it because you know she's a boomer and they're not so into you know mm-hmm. Googling or researching these kinds of things and in fact have some stereotypes attached to it but i thought we in the inf- in information age we are supposedly very open and mm-hmm talk a lot and can talk about anything we are the ones who don't know a lot about mental illness and so that's when i said oh okay Mm -hmm. i need to i need to write this down so at first it started just as you know questions that people would tell me and then that kind of developed into ideas for essays and so i just had like a page that i was like okay these are the things that i would like to cover and I mean. Even myself, I was learning a lot as I went along. I knew a little bit about mental illness, but I know a lot more than I did then. And so I thought I need to write it so that my peers can understand it, get it. And the blessing of the book is that I've had boomers read it and be able to Mm
0: -hmm.
1: connect with it, uh, Gen Zs and millennials. And that for me is a blessing because it's not always that you have a book or anything that's created that can, you know, be relevant for any kind of generation. And so I'm very thankful for that. And so I thought this needs to exist so that people are able to have these conversations and understand what it means to be mentally ill, but also know that you can live a good life while surviving mental illness. Yeah.
0: I think... Um this book is much needed in this society that we're in everything is so quick social media can be very negative very toxic as well TikTok with its 30 second videos you think you've only watched five minutes of videos but actually five hours went past so-
1: <laughs> and then it's 3 a.m and you've got to be up at six and now it's awkward <laughs>
0: So for a book like this to exist and for it to be told through an African voice, an African female voice, um, I think is very important. And I'd encourage everybody to, we're back online. Okay. I'd encourage everyone to please go pick up this book and to buy it and show their support to you. If you could quickly describe it in three words, how would you describe it?
1: is that even possible? (laughs) I am struggling. (laughs) I am struggling in three words. I would say look deeper within. Look deeper within. I think that's what this book encourages people to do. And I think that's what I want people to do as well. To look deeper within.
0: I'm going to look deeper within. I hope everyone else will be looking deeper within. I hope you're looking deeper within every day as well. <laughs> I'm so excited to see what else comes from you. You said you're going to become a, what did we say? Intermediary, writer so by the end of this year, no longer baby.
1: <laughs> so we'll- no longer baby writer.
0: <laughs> oh, we talked in happy new years. So I'm going to be checking in with you. Did you reach that? <laughs> Did you reach your goal? <laughs> <laughs> uh, if that I want. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so, so, so much. We'll be sharing more about your book throughout this week and where everyone can buy it. Um, they can buy it from the Black Book store and on their website. I'm correct. Yes. Can buy, they
1: can buy it from select stores and the Blackbird book website. And... Okay. I fought very hard to make sure that there's no delivery price. So, <laughs> delivery is free, people. <laughs> I was like, please, let the people have it for free. <laughs> so,
0: uh, yes. I can't wait to see everyone. Whoever buys this book, please take a picture with it, a selfie, and share it with everyone. Mm-hmm. Share it with so we can repost it. Thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you so, so, so
1: much thank you ladies this was wonderful and thank you for bearing with me throughout the many ups and downs